What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I am your host, Mike Carnation, joined once again by the best co-host in the business, Devin Jackson. Now, you haven't heard from us in a little bit. Uh, it's been about a week and a half, maybe close to two weeks. Uh, sometimes life gets in the way, and uh, we just needed to take some time to refresh. Uh, but now, with college football kicking off, checks watch tomorrow when you're listening. It is time for us to get back on, and uh, you know we're going to talk about some some prospects that we've uh, that we've watched. And given that this week we have football, Devin and I are going to go head to head in predictions. And uh, you may have seen this on Twitter over the weekend. There is a uh, bet on the line uh, involving all three co-hosts, but Nick obviously not able to join us today. Uh, his official picks will be coming out on the Big Shots um, Twitter account on Wednesday. Uh, the last place in the uh, weekly college football predictions owes the two other co-hosts a Popeye's chicken sandwich down in Mobile. Um, obviously a continuation of our first year on the podcast where Devin uh, graciously lost uh, in the week-to-week picks. And, um, well, I had to buy my own chicken sandwich because someone couldn't make it down to Mobile. Uh, this year, I'm looking very forward to either Nick or Devin buying me a chicken sandwich down in Mobile. Uh, but long-winded intro uh, notwithstanding. Devin, how are you? Pretty good, man. Uh, actually, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm I'm kind of tired. <laughs> um, you know, I uh, had to work till 1.30 last night. Um, so it, it was it was it was fun. But at the same time, you know, that catches up to you. So. But other than that, I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, started the new job since we last did a podcast, uh, which I, I looked it up. It was on August 4th. Um, yeah, just our three weeks. Yeah, when we had our 100th episode. So, um, but yeah, doing pretty good, man. Excited to have college football back. Um, I actually get to watch games that involve my conferences, which is exciting. Um, so I get to kind of like keep up with that and, you know, do that whole process. So I, I might try and get, um, you know, try and get some more scouting reports done on some of those guys that may, may be involved in those games, try to kind of wrap up summer scouting in general, and then, you know, obviously continue to knock them out as we go. But yeah, uh, you know, football is, is here 24 seven now. Uh, timeline is filled with football pretty much all day, which is, Nice. The all season discourse was getting a little bit too much, <laughs> just with uh, especially with the nonsense of the quarterback class and you know some of the tackles and and all that. But anyway, it's just good to be back and, and talking some ball, man. You know what's funny is that I said that college football kicks off tomorrow. I was looking at the wrong week. It's actually the Thursday that it, it kicks off is the second, but we do have football on Saturday and. Why not for for shits and gigs? Um, there are no ranked teams, and I know normally we only do the top twenty five games because otherwise we'd be here uh, essentially all day once the season kicks off. But what the hell, Devin and I are going to pick the games um, 
for Saturday. And then again, Nick will have his predictions out on the, um, uh, T, uh, sorry, on the podcast page, uh, before kickoff, obviously. So that it's fair so that he's not a week behind. Uh, we're just going to go straight up head to head on all of them. Um, but before we get into that, I want to talk about some players that, that I've watched. Um, man, I, I started digging more into some of these, uh, defenders. Um, I'll tell you, the linebacking class, we've talked about it. You know, Christian Harris is pretty good. Uh, Peyton Wilson is, is really good and that defense needs him at NC State in the worst way because when he's not there, they're terrible. Uh, but I mean, he's got off field. He's got injury concerns. Uh, you know, there's my guy up at Washington at a Fuan Yulifoshio. He's pretty good, but Devin, I watched three linebackers since we last spoke on a podcast and I liked all three of them. Uh, Terrell Bernard out of Baylor might have the most range of any linebacker I've seen in like two or three drafts. Uh, he moves like a corner at 225, 230. Um, I didn't expect to have a Baylor linebacker in my top five at the position, and I especially didn't expect him to be linebacker two for me. Uh, he is stupid good. Stupid good. So... Thank you to both Dante Colinelli and Ben Glassmeyer for bringing my attention to him. Um, Amari Gaynor, the linebacker out of Florida State, he's all athlete, has still yet to kind of figure out what it is that he's doing out there most of the time. But, I mean, I swear, he's like a dog chasing cars, and those guys get drafted high. Just look at Jameen Davis this past year. Jameen Davis is like two years away from being two years away and went 19th, or, yeah, 19th overall. Um, and if Jameen Davis can go 19th overall, Amari Gaynor can go, you know, first round or t- top 40. Uh, and then Owen Papo out of uh, Auburn. Again, a little bit of an undersized uh, linebacker, 6'1", 225. I'd like to see him get up to about 230, 235. Um, he, he's, he's solid. Watching him against Tennessee and, you know, in coverage, he's kind of hit or miss. I uh, gave up a catch to Eric Gray, but his tackling and pursuit angles were fantastic. Was able to chase down Eric Gray, who's one of the best running backs uh, that I've watched so far, uh, to keep what would have been like a 35-yard gain or or even a touchdown and contain it to about an 8- or a 9-yard gain. So, again, it's all just experience. I think with the new system coming in, Auburn's going to have a lot of guys where they come out better than we expected coming in because, shocker, Gus that my microphone falls over because I'm not on a very big table. Because uh, Gus Malzahn, just not a very, very good coach when it comes to developing talent, whereas Brian Harson has worked with a lot lower, uh, you know, uh, recruited talent. So now giving him a whole bunch of five stars, I'm intrigued to see how Auburn does this year. Uh, but man, this linebacker class, it's not, it's not stacked by any, by any means. We're not talking about multiple first round linebackers, but the depth there on day two is going to be something to watch. Yeah. Um, this, this class in particular, I think probably has some of the most talent, uh, kind of talent rich in that day two range, you know, where there are at least 40 to 50 guys you could see going between round two and round three uh, just off of summer evaluations. That's not even before we get into final evaluations, testing, et cetera. Um, but, yeah, the depth of, of this class is is tremendous. You know, you're, you're going to get 
so many guys with great value in rounds five and six, I think more than ever before. Because uh, you obviously add in kind of the extra year that some of these players are taking uh, at their respective schools, plus the emerging talent of uh, some underclassmen. So it's it's going to be a really fun class uh, to kind of dive into. Uh, I really haven't done a deep dive in, into the linebacker class in general. Uh, really, any any position group, particularly, uh, just kind of focused on my conferences this far. But you know, it, it's exciting. You know, like you mentioned uh, before, you got into your guys. Um, obviously, Peyton Wilson is, is somebody we both really really like. Um, you know, heard, I've heard good things about Amari Gaynor uh, and, and what he can bring to the table. You know, some people are, are really high on, like, Brandon Smith from Penn State. So there's a lot of, like, kind of tier two and tier three guys that are going to be intriguing that have some really interesting, interesting athletic profiles in general. So it's definitely exciting to, to hear about that for sure. Um, but. I, I guess I'll go into players that, that I've been taking a look at as well, because uh, it's kind of been sparingly, but uh, just some guys that uh, I, you know, kind of stashed for later or, or you know, continuing to watch. But the first one, uh, I kind of talked to him, talked about him in a few articles. Um, actually, uh, make sure y'all check out an article that just went live uh, today or, or whenever you're hearing this um, on Blue Chip Scouting uh, each uh, kind of areas Gal gave to uh, one guy on offense, one guy on defense that uh, they felt may break out in the 2022 uh, draft class. So give that a read over on bluechipsky.com. But this is a guy I've talked about in, in that particular article in the Mac risers uh, and it's left tackle Bernard Raymond from central Michigan. Uh, he's a former tight end turned left tackle. Uh, he is an exchange student from Austria, actually. Uh, for Central Michigan, uh, played on like the 14 and, and up league uh, for Austria and, and played mostly tight end. 6'7", 304, um, really gained some weight once he made that transition to left tackle. And it, it's healthy weight. You know, he's he's extremely athletic, hit the Bruce Feldman's freaks list <clears throat> on uh, – a couple of weeks ago when, when he released that at number 26, uh, ran like a one, 1.6 20-yard shuttle, 33-inch vertical, uh, nine, seven-and-a-half broad jump. So he has some tremendous testing numbers. Uh, but in terms of the actual player, still very raw as a tackle. Uh, he only played six games last year, uh, and all of them were like kind of his first exposure to playing left tackle. Uh, but the athleticism and, and ability to, to get back into pass sets quickly, uh, be able to move players in the run game, um, to, you know, be able to counter, uh, some of the, the moves that defensive ends and, and edge rushers were throwing at him, um, and, and able to, to just push, uh, you know, pass rushers past the quarterback with, with no problem. I think he, he was able to show that. Want to see him improve his hand placement. Think he, uh, gets a little bit outside the frame um, and, and kind of want him to, to sit in this anchor better and then drive with more power in the run game because he still has a bit of untapped power uh, with while running the football. So, well, not not while run blocking, I should say, uh, not running the football. But he has very intriguing tools. And I think, uh, you know, after 
having a, a full spring, and now he's into fall camp, and now he's entering his second year as a star as a left tackle. I think he can really uh, kind of rise up some draft boards. Uh, he definitely will once he tests, but I think he can improve his tape a little bit with being more a more consistent blocker in both the, the run and pass game. So I took a look at him, and then I took a look at uh, Mountain West or, or Colorado State, uh, defensive end uh, Scott Patchen. Um, yeah, I've former heard Miami. things about him. Yeah, so he's a former Miami transfer. Um, spent a couple of seasons at Miami, but then transferred to Colorado State, I believe, this last year. And uh, his first year at Colorado State, uh, put up some, some pretty nice numbers. I believe he had like five and a half sacks, uh, like seven tackles for loss or something like that. Um, I don't think I was as impressed as some other people were with this game. He's a very no-nonsense type of pass pressure, very power-oriented, uh, speed to power, uh, bull rush, uh, not very, um, not a very athletic player in terms of bending the corner on, on pass rushes. I think he does a pretty good job squeezing in the run game uh, on backside plays and, and playing with tremendous effort. Um, but I think in terms of being, you know, kind of a pass rush at the next level, I think he's not going to be an outside linebacker type. Um, and I I'm not sure if he's going to be an every down defensive end either because he doesn't really offer you, ex- you know, extreme explosiveness. Like, He's a pretty good first step, but in terms of his, his ankles, his ankles are really tight trying to bend that corner. Um, you know, he, he kind of relies a lot on winning with power. You know, he doesn't really win with speed or, or uh, pass rush moves in general. So, like I said, I wasn't as impressed as I thought it was going to be. I thought his Miami tape showed him to be a little bit more explosive than he, he was at Colorado State. But he also put on some weight as well uh, since he's been at Colorado State and kind of got a bigger build. So I would like to see him kind of be used more in a versatile way uh, this year, like get some um, reps as a five technique, as a three technique uh, to, to kind of increase his stock. Because I think if you take him for value as just a straight defensive end, I think he's either a late round, like seventh round pick or a UDFA at this point, just because the athletic profile doesn't offer you a ton. But he's a he's a really good player, plays with tremendous motor, um, really solid in the run game. And, you know, he, he can finish, you know, plays when he's able to, to really push the pocket and uh, make a play on the quarterback. But in, in terms of what you want in a modern day pass rusher, he's more of a throwback type of player. Colorado State has a few good players. You know, you mentioned uh, Patchen. There's also uh, Trey McBride, who I still need to get around to because I need someone to overtake Charlie Kolar as tight end five because I feel wrong just saying that. Granted, I've only watched five tight ends. So, uh, but no, uh, Patchen is one where I've heard his name mentioned a few times. Uh, Colorado State, they're going to be an intriguing team to watch. That I don't know what your take is. I think that they're one of the better teams in the Mountain West. Um, with my very limited Mountain West knowledge uh, coming through. Obviously, I know there's San Jose State, there's Boise State, but after that, there's not really a whole lot else. I know there's Nevada, but... 
Yeah, they're, they're, they've been low-key pretty good for a couple years now. Um, and, I mean, Steve Adazio, say what you will about him personally. There's a lot you can say about Steve Adazio personally, but he's getting results at, at that program. Um, some other guys, we were talking about this off-air. Uh, this corner class is absolutely stacked, and since we last convened, I've watched a couple more of them. I watched uh, Michael Wright, the Oregon corner, Roger McCreary, the Auburn corner, and Trent McDuffie, the Washington corner. Uh, McDuffie... McDuffie's interesting, because he's not an overly, like, he's a physical corner, but he's not an overly athletic corner. He doesn't really have a lot of size to him. He's like 5'11", 185. Um, he's just really solid. He's, like, everything you want in one of those corners uh, that goes in top half of round one. Like, he kind of, you know, he can be maybe a little too grabby at times, but then again, we just saw J.C. Horn go in the top ten, and he was grabby. Um I mean, you want to see more ball production from him, I think. Uh, outside of that, I really don't have a lot of complaints with him. Uh, Michael Wright, I mean, Pac-12 quarterbacks are afraid to throw on him for a reason. Um, I know that uh, Oregon just had a couple corners in this past year's class. Wright's better than both of them. Um, and then Roger McCreary, he's... Better than I thought he was going to be. I kind of went into it expecting to watch kind of a day three corner. I came in, you know, with kind of the that, again, Auburn corners, slower, little ath- less athletic. Granted, we saw Noe Benagane go in round one out of that same system uh, in 2020. Uh, I was kind of expecting the same as I thought on Noah, where Noah was like a, a mid-second, and it's about what I ended up getting with him. Had a good uh, interception return for a touchdown against Tennessee, I think it was. Um, again, stacked corner class. If it wasn't, you know, a class where I have five corners in my top uh, 35 players so far, maybe McCreary would stand out a little bit more. Uh, but, geez, I mean, you, you and I have talked about this a lot. If you need a corner, this is the year to need it. If you need a defensive back in general, this is the year to need it. I have five in my top ten uh, defensive backs, so... Uh, I don't know about you. I don't know how many corners you've checked out, but geez, the more I watch, I'm just like, I don't know how many I can fit in a top 100. Like, I, I think I might end up with like 27 corners in my top 100, it feels like. Yeah, there's so many good ones um, spread across the college football landscape. You know, I've watched mainly the kind of the top guys, obviously, Stingley, Gardner, um, Elam. You know, um, trying to think of some other ones here, but mainly the type Andrew Booth as well. Booth, Booth, uh, Booth is it, phenomenal. Yeah, so you know, really the the race for CB one, I don't think it's necessarily over. Uh, like obviously Stingley is has been a stud since a freshman, but Booth had you know even though he only played you know I think only like four hundred and something snaps last year, he was absolutely dominant in them. So I, I would say he had a slight edge in terms of season last year. So I wouldn't put the CB1 discussion out of, uh, you know, out of reach now, you know, because Booth is extremely talented, too. And, and he could very well be the guy that the teams may fall in love with for sure in that in, early in the first round. But, yeah, it's going to be a good year for corners. Um, 
you know, like I, like I was saying earlier at the top of the show, I mean, especially in rounds two or three, you might see a record number of corners go off the board. Um, because teams are going to reach for tackle, quarterback, uh, um, and edge after the first couple guys. So I know that those three positions are going to be reached on at some point in the first round. So a lot of corners that may have first round grades or first round talent might slip to the second round, then this second and third rounds, and then you're going to find a lot of teams stacking up. So I would not be surprised if we have a record number of corners selected, especially in the first two days of the NFL draft. Yeah, it's it is insane, absolutely insane how good this cornerback class is. And I'm saying I, you know, we talk about you know the the guys I mentioned you know, that I've mentioned. I haven't gotten to Seven Banks. I haven't gotten to Josh Jobs. Uh, I haven't gotten to uh, Martin Emerson over at Mississippi State. Travis Hodges Tomlinson at TCU. Noah Daniels at TCU. And these are guys that are being talked about as like day one or day two players. Uh, and I haven't even gotten to them yet. And I'm still already just in awe of this corner class. Uh, you know, I'm, I mentioned an article that's now available on uh, com this morning. Um, where, you know, we saw the wide receiver class for years just be, like, generational in terms of the amount of talent that gets, you know, that's been drafted in the 2020 and 2021 draft classes. Now the wide receiver class has taken a step back, and now here come the corners, um, uh, to kind of balance it out. And, but instead of it being spread out over two classes, they're all jammed into this one. It's gonna yeah, be hard to stand I'm... out in this class. It really is. Yeah, like I said, there's going to be a lot of guys that just slip because there's just so like, much talent. We could see Taiwan Mullen go in round three or four. Yeah, and, I mean, the outlook is like maybe he's in the discussion as one of the top corners, but there's so many guys that have are just absolutely crazy. I mean, for some reason, I, I just don't know where this boom of corners came from, you know, because last year it was like, you know, it was it was a pretty good crop of them, but then it was like a severe drop-off, you know, after, what, like 10, 11, 12? I mean, we yeah. might be going 15, 20 deep this year, whereas we before We might be having like 15 or 20 going in the first two, uh, first three rounds. It, it's nuts if these guys keep up their, their level of play. And, like, that's not even getting – dude, I've been talking about this guy for a year now, is, is uh, Trey Swilling from Georgia Tech, and he's not even, like – Anywhere in the discussion, and I liked him last year. Yeah, this this is gonna be tough, man. This is gonna be a tough year for for a lot of those kind of smaller school and and kind of under the radar names. Because I mean, you're you're going to have to test well and and put on some really good tape. Because I mean, at your position, I mean, there's going to be an oversaturation just this year. Yeah. Now, I mean, Devin, you, uh, I don't know about you. We we could go on and on about prospects, but we'll be doing a lot of that during the season, as as the college games, you know, roll on. We'll talk more about players that are kind of breaking out because summer scouting is kind of coming towards an end. Uh, my big board is going to be dropping on Thursday or Friday. Um, so what do you say we finish off? We've been going about a half an hour now. Why don't we go head to head? We have one, two, three, four. Five games to pick this week. All right. Are Let's you ready? Are you ready it. to already be losing to me? 
I don't know about that, but I don't have I'm to ready. Beat you. I, ju- I don't have to beat you. I just have to beat Nick this year. But... That's fair. <laughs> That's the thing is that we did this last year where we went head-to-head, and we did not keep track in any way. <laughs> no clue. <laughs> I think we knew because we weren't going to meet up in Mobile. So uh, now it's official. There's go. There are stakes. The stakes have... I was going to say never been high. Actually, the stakes have never been higher because instead of just one chicken sandwich, the loser buys two chicken sandwiches. Yeah. We're so lame. <laughs> Look, I'm, right. I'm not trying to just lose money like that. I'm, I'm not exactly. that confident in college football. So. All right, Devin. All right. The first game of the college football season this Saturday, 1 p.m. on Fox. It's Nebraska at Illinois. Jesus Christ, how dare they do that? <laughs> I can't, Kevin, we, can't, we can't escape it. We can't escape it. I, by the way, Nebraska I, is I was, favored by seven points. I, I looked at this last week, and I was like, of course this is the first game of college football. It It's, it's very on brand to, to what's happening. Anyway, um... I was going to just say some guys to watch in this game, um, Go for it. but there are not really a lot. Uh, <laughs> but but I will say, uh, Samori Torre, uh, who is a transfer from uh, Montana. Yeah, Montana is playing for Nebraska now, so he is a yeah. guy to watch. He's tight end for Nebraska. Robinson role. Yeah, so I will watch out for him. Austin Allen as well, the tight end from Nebraska, six eight two sixty, just ridiculous. Um, and then I think I think they maybe have one or two offensive linemen that you should keep an eye out for. I can't remember the name off the top of the list. I'm looking. I think it was Cameron Jurgens, but he's just a sophomore. Uh, so I'm at the look to see if he's a redshirt sophomore or not. And then defensively, uh, for Nebraska, um, at corner, one of my favorite guys, um, in the Big Ten as a prospect, Cam Taylor Britt. Been talking about him since, uh, May. For a while. Definitely want to, yeah, definitely want to watch out for him. I think he's, he's, he's going to be really solid for this team. Um, and then the Ohio State transfer, Tyreek uh, Johnson, as well. Those are, are kind of the guys to watch for. On the Nebraska side of things, uh, Illinois, meanwhile. I know nothing. I got nothing. They got they have our king, Arthur Sikowski. No! No, they don't, because Brandon Peters has been named the starting quarterback. He's still on the roster, though. Yeah, but, th- I mean, great. You're going to watch for the backup quarterback? He's going to hold the hell out of that clipboard. I wasn't saying Do someone to watch. I, was just, I just wanted, I just wanted to, to name drop him real quick. Uh, for um, those who may not know what the hell we're talking about, uh, before uh, we did, when, when, when we were new to podcasts, when the Big Shots were a brand new podcast, we had to watch the Big Ten a lot, which meant we had to watch guys like Art Sikowski. Actually, I don't even think we had to watch Art. I think he actually redshirted himself that year. Um, but Art Sikowski became kind of a folklore uh, 
myth or, or, or god of some sort uh, to the podcast because as a freshman with um, Rutgers, uh, with Rutgers, he he threw four touchdowns to eighteen uh, interceptions in a season. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. Uh, but back <laughs> to the task at hand. Watch out for tight end Luke Ford, uh, six six two sixty. Uh, had a, really? a previous. Would you say? Yeah, oh, I think I do know Luke Ford. Is Luke Ford the one that that transferred, and then there was the whole fiasco around his transfer? I or think so. Yeah, that was at Illinois. Okay. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, so watch out for him offensively. That's really <laughs> the only guy offensively. I got nothing uh, at Illinois. So there you go. Then uh, uh, defensively, uh, no, I was going to say a few more guys oh, defensively. Have you have guys yeah. on defense, Illinois. You no, these are not real people. Roger Perry the second. I think he was. Uh, I want to say that's not a real person. It. I'm. I'm looking at it right now, but not his, his name. Roderick Perry the second. I think he's a transfer from. I want to say. Uh, I can't remember where exactly from, but I do remember seeing him and, and seeing some hype about him. So I, I watch out for him. Then uh, super senior linebacker Jake Hansen who's been there for like 15 years now. <laughs> but but he's someone to watch as a as a potential UDFA pickup. Anyway, to the pick, uh, I'm picking Nebraska to win, um, and I'm picking Do they cover? them to cover. Yeah, I'm picking them All to right. cover. So I am also going to pick Nebraska. Uh, the line is seven. I'm going to pick them to cover. The over-under is 55. I'm going to take the under on that one. We're just doing head-to-head, but I'm just, if you're a gambling man, take the under. Both of these offenses are going to be bad. Uh, there's a lot going around Nebraska in terms of, like, uh, there's sanctions coming soon, aren't there? I think there there might be. They said they were they said they were investigating at this point. Yeah, there's really an investigation of, uh, uh, for wrongdoing and recruiting. Which if you're gonna if you're gonna break rules in recruiting, at least be good. And Nebraska hasn't. I still don't think Nebraska wins more than six games this year. I think ultimately Scott Frost might get fired at the end of the year. But uh, God, who is it? Brett Bielma, that's the head coach of Illinois now. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be a rough first game for him. I think that he's probably hoping that they had, like, one of those FCS schools that they could be, but having to go right into Big Ten play, I don't think this team's ready. I'm going to go Nebraska. All right, this is a game that I know you're dying to watch as the Mountain West uh, scout, Devin. We have uh, UConn fresh off of not playing last year uh, because of COVID-19. They just they just took, they just took went the, the way of the FCS and went, we're not playing. Uh, despite being an FBS school, uh, they're traveling on the road for a 2 p.m. Eastern uh, kickoff, which means that that's 11 a.m. on the West Coast because they're going to face Fresno State. Uh, Fresno is favored by 27 and a half, and the over/under <laughs> is 62 and a half. That's insane, man. Now I, um, I know one player for Fresno State, and it's because our Austin Mole over at Bleacher Scouting absolutely loves him. It's Ronnie Rivers, the running back. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. I, got I like nothing him else in terms of Fresno, but yeah, I like him, and and I like the receiver Jalen Cropper. He's like a speed guy. He's like the Mountain West version of Jahan Dotson, if I can kind of encapsulate him pretty pretty quickly. Um, like size wise, he's not super big, but he's very explosive. 
So I, as someone I, I'm definitely intrigued to watch because I, I liked him. I watched him a couple of weeks ago. Then UConn just has one defensive lineman, uh, Travis Jones. I know that Luca uh, from Blue Chip uh, likes him, and, and he put him as one of uh, the risers that he thinks uh, can can rise as a defensive player from the independence since UConn is an independent school. Um, so as somebody, those are the players to watch. I have Fresno State winning, but I'm taking the under. Are you are you having them covering? I'm sorry, taking you- that. I, I don't think Fresno State will cover. I'm taking the under. I don't know, man. UConn hasn't played in in uh God, watch Mike try to do math on the fly here. Uh UConn hasn't played in twenty months, so I'm gonna take Fresno State. I'm gonna take them to cover. Uh I don't think this is gonna be much competition whatsoever. And I know Fresno State isn't isn't one of the better Mountain West teams, but man, you you know, when you haven't played in, in, in almost two full years as a program, there's gonna be problems. I'm gonna take Fresno State in this one. Here's one that I know you're gonna be conflicted on, Devin, because it's one of your teams, because it's a Mountain West team, but you also love UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh to an almost like obsessive uh, point. Uh, <laughs> we have Hawaii on the road against UCLA at 3.30 kickoff. It's on ESPN. UCLA favored by 18 points over under at 68.5. By the way, hit the over. Hit the over. There is no way Hawaii and UCLA don't combine for 70 points. It's going to be fireworks. Um, you get into this one Hawaii for $18. Still- $18! Hawaii uh you know, they have that run and shoot offense and it's going to be a lot of points scored. Um, I will say that Hawaii's Chip defense Kelly is, is the other coach. So yeah, you're not going to want to miss this game because this is the game of the week just based on anything else that is happening on Saturday. <laughs> there, there's no other game that's going to be probably even as exciting as this one. Um, no, not excited. even close. I, I I have the other two on my screen, Devin. It's not. Yeah. So, running through some prospects to watch. Obviously, we just talked about Dorian Thompson. Robinson, Zach Charbonnet is somebody to watch. The Michigan transfer now playing for UCLA. Uh, tight end Greg Dolchich as well. Uh, former walk-on. Now he's uh, kind of their star player as a receiver. Uh, so it'll be kind of interesting to watch him see if he can continue to build off, build off his great season that he had last year. Uh, and then lastly, uh, on, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, I will watch out for safety. Quentin Lake, uh, someone that I really like uh, in this process as well. For Hawaii, there's only one guy and one guy only that you need to care about or watch. Uh, it's my guy, one of the, my favorite watches this summer, Calvin Turner Jr., yeah. uh, the running back slash receiver. Uh, for Hawaii, he's going to get at least 25 to 30 touches, and he's probably going to score a 50-yard touchdown. So, uh, so who are you picking? Clearly, UCLA is going to win this game. Um, the talent gap is is going to be tremendous. Hawaii, I, I listen. It, listen, I Hawaii. love watching Hawaii. And I love watching Hawaii. But if it was at Hawaii, I would probably I would probably give them a little slightly better chance. But it's at UCLA. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take UCLA to win. I'm not going to take them to cover though. Okay. I, th- 
I think it's I think they're going to run away for with the game early on, but then Hawaii's gonna score like two touchdowns in the last five minutes and make it closer than what it seems. I'm never going to pick UCLA to to cover the spread uh, for one reason, and that is because Chip Kelly is the head coach, and he does not care one iota about defense. He wants to win every game 65 to 56. So I think that we could end up with a scoreline similar to that, uh, which would mean that Hawaii covers, but I am going to go with UCLA to win. Uh, 9.30. This one doesn't even have a network that it's being shown on. So there you go. Uh, I guess just find a way to stream it. It's UTEP on the road at New Mexico State. UTEP favored by nine over under is 56 and a half. I'm not going to pretend like I know any prospects on either team. I think I'm not UTEP has like a player that, that that I sent to Nick, but I can't remember. Um, I want to say his first name was like Praise or something. Uh you you go ahead and talk, and I'm gonna find out. Uh, well, I'm I'm looking at their. Oh yeah, it's yeah. I'm not saying that name. <laughs> oh man, I almost almost got him to do it. Yeah, that's not happening. Um, uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm I'm picking UTEP to win this game. Uh, New Mexico State has been pretty dreadful to say the least. Um, just in general, I mean, I, 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 I don't know if you can can straight up pick them to win this game. I know nothing about these two teams, um, so I'm I'm going to pick uh, UTEP to win, and I'm going to pick them to cover. I'm going to go with UTEP to win this game and be on the lookout for UTEP edge rusher Praise Amewule. Uh I probably said that wrong. Uh, but I, unlike Devin, am not a coward and will attempt these last names. Um, <laughs> also, they have Gavin Hardison, who's a name I feel like I've heard of before, but maybe not, considering he transferred from the New Mexico Military Institute. So, I mean, that's the level of high-level quarterbacking we're going to be seeing on Saturday in this game. Um, other than that, I, I I know nothing about either of these two teams. At least UTEP got rid of those ridiculously ugly jerseys they had back when Aaron Jones was still there. Uh, it's about the last time I actually tuned in to watch a game involving UTEP. Um, as for New Mexico State, I kind of forgot that they were an independent. Um, I thought they were still in the Mountain West. I guess not. Uh, I know not a single one of these players that's listed on their depth chart, but I've at least heard of uh, Praise uh, Mea Wale. I think I said it differently about 35 seconds ago. Um, listen, UTEP's favored by nine. I'll take them to win by ten, because why not? It may be ten nothing, but I I don't know. Give me UTEP. All right, and then this one doesn't have a a betting line on listed on ESPN uh, because it's a it's an FCS school facing an FBS school. Uh, but Devin, you can get into this game for as low as eleven dollars. It's Southern Utah I, versus San Jose State. Listen, San Jose State is about to become what Indiana was a couple years ago for me. Like I, are you, social get, media. Are you gonna start buying San Jose State merch? I I might. I really might, man. I I, I like also love coach. how their head coach was getting like like links to SEC jobs when he had a losing record overall. <laughs> Like and not even close because they went like three and nine, two and ten, and then eleven and one. 
Yeah, he's he's in he's really turned that program around. San Jose State is become one of the best teams at Mountain West overnight, essentially. Be on I mean, the lookout are... for 18th year senior Nick Starkle. Uh, he's still in college. Yeah, so I'm a I'm gonna do Southern Utah because there's only one guy to really worth watching for them uh, in terms of prospects. His name is Braxton Jones, six seven, three ten. Uh, junior, um, Off the heard some, yeah, have heard some really good things about him. So, uh, could be one of those. I think this, I think they're a D2 team. So I think he could be one of those sleepers. Um, maybe they're a D1 double A. I can't remember, but he's, he's someone to watch for them. Uh, in terms of Mount West, I mean, not Mount West, but San Jose State, uh, there's a couple guys that I'm watching for and I've done kind of scouting reports on. Um, Austin did one on Nick Starkle. Um, He's he's uh he's a head case. Um, he'll make some ridiculous throws and then just not play well. Uh, but it, overall speaking, he did play pretty good last year. That's why they were good because he 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 kept you know he didn't put the ball in harm's way. But I will watch out for him. Offensive tackle uh, Jack Snyder, uh, someone I really like. I gave him a preliminary fourth round grade. From summer scouting, tight end uh, Derek Deese Jr. Uh, I really like him as well. I gave him a fifth round grade. I think uh, he's going to make a big impact on the game and, and probably have a really good stat line. Defensively, uh, watch out for uh, edge rusher Kate Hall. Uh, kind of one of those power rushers type of guys. Um, you know, kind of that build. But he had insane production last year. He had 12 tackles for loss. And ten, uh, ten sacks, and I believe uh, six or seven games, or I think seven or eight games. So he had some pretty insane uh, stats because he, he went from uh, his junior year he only had one sack. Well, he went from twenty nineteen having one sack, and then he had ten in twenty twenty. So he made a <clears throat> he made a tremendous jump uh, in terms of production, uh, and, and had some really good. Uh, Production seven games because he didn't even play in the bowl game last year against Ball State. So those are the guys to kind of watch for this game. Um, I really like probably my favorite prospect on the team is Derek Beast Jr. Uh, with Jack Snyder right behind him. Uh, I think those are are the two guys that I would bet on making, uh, getting drafted and, and definitely making an NFL roster at the next level. Um, but in terms of the game, obviously I'm going to pick San Jose State to win. Um, I, I don't expect them to, to lose at all. They're probably going to blow out Southern Utah. Uh, no offense to Southern Utah, but it, it's not going to be close. Yeah, I'm going to pick San Jose State as well. This team coming off a really good season. It all just depends on how well Nick Starkle plays. If he plays like 2020 Nick Starkle, uh, they're going to be in for another good season. If he plays like Nick Starkle, like he did at Texas A&M or Arkansas, it'll be a little bit of a longer season. But I still think the talent's there. This team's moving in the right direction. Um, I'm going to pick them to win by I'll pick them to win by three touchdowns. I think that that might even be kind of conservative. I'm picking them to win by You cut out there. How much? Five. Five touchdowns. Yeah. God damn. Alright, so uh, we picked the same teams. So, Devin and I will at least have the same record next week. We will Keep everyone posted as to what Nick's predictions are. 
uh, later in the week. But until next time, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at MikeH underscore Draft. You can follow Devin on Twitter at RealD underscore Jackson. Follow Nick on Twitter at PriceCheck3. Follow the show at Blue, uh, sorry, at Big Shots Pod. Follow Blue Chip Scouting at Blue Chip Scout. Buy all the merch on the website, by the way. Um, and we will see you probably on Friday for a live show. Take care, everyone.